ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench, and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to soulfulmbapodcast.com slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, episode 147. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, we're continuing with our financial intelligence series and talking today about an intentional approach to your numbers. Yes, we want to talk about losing the passivity around numbers and feeling kind of almost victim-y about it, like at the end of the year going, did I make any money? Is there a profit? How much can I pay myself? We want you to take charge and stand up and understand what's happening. And you get to decide how much you pay yourself or how much profit that you want to make. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to realize that you have agency in your financial life and in your business life. And there's definitely some risk emotionally that comes along with holding that agency because it means that you're responsible for how much you're bringing and how much you're making, right? So if you are passively allowing yourself to make whatever you make, there's this detachment that I think occurs where you then don't have to have responsibility for those numbers. But when you hold agency for your outcomes, you're responsible both for your successes as well as for your failures. And I think that's a really big leap for a lot of people to take in terms of their mindset. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure people are like, what? Like it, it does feel very passive. Like I'm going to make how much I make. It's like, no, you can decide, right? You can decide how much you make. You can decide how many expenses you choose to pay. So we're going to get into all those details in a second. But Jenny, I wanted to talk about the concept of profit and running a business. And when you get started, I just wanted to share a story because I think that it's really important that as people are starting a new business or thinking about and deciding to start a new business, that they have 
idea of profit as a goal. So you don't want to start, you don't want to create the situation where you run a business and you are simply paying yourself a salary. This might be something, you know, in the early days that that would be, you know, the goal is like to create a business to be able to pay yourself a salary. Of course, you also get all the freedom and flexibility of having your own business. But ultimately, you don't want to start a business, have the stress and the extra worry and all the work of building up this business and marketing this business. You don't want to do all of that just for a salary. You want ultimately to have profit in your business. That is why you create a business. Otherwise, just go work with somebody else. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it takes some time to get to the point where you have the kind of revenue numbers that even make sense to go here. Mm -hmm. And so we're not talking to those of you that are necessarily in, you know, the first few months of business, although it's important to start to think about these concepts. But, you know, really, by the time you get into year three Three or or so, you have real agency and decision-making ability with what you're doing in your business to do way more than I think you ever thought possible. And, you know, I just want to take it back though, when we're talking about these choices that our listeners get and have to make in their, their lives around money, I think that so much of our experience as employees and as people who work for other people carries over into our relationship to our business because so especially for women so many women don't do a tremendous job negotiating for example when they're hired and it's just like okay I apply for the job I'm just so happy to get the job and then whatever you're going to give me that's fine mm-hmm. I'll take it and I think we you know I know certainly I have definitely had that experience to the extent that I've been hired before for jobs. I'm terrible at negotiating. And I've read um, plenty of books about women in the workplace, including Lean In and all of the pro-Lean In and non-pro-Lean In books that have followed suit. And, you know, this is a historical problem that we have, I think, as women and other historically underrepresented people. And so this just, those kinds of mindset issues follow through into your business with you. And so just know that it's not it's not like some flaw within yourself. Like there are reasons why you have treated your finances the way that you have up until this point in your life. And we're trying to share with you through this series that there's an alternative way moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I want to share a story of a friend who has been running her business for 10 years. And throughout that 10 years, she's made less than market value salary. She has had zero profit. And of course, like a ton of stress and struggle to get this business, you know, with the money coming in, she's had consultants and front office staff that have been paid and paid fairly, but always she is the last one to pay herself. And so I think I just want as people start these businesses to take into consideration what Jenny just said and think about what you want ultimately. And I want that to include a really, really hefty profit, you know, probably three to five and beyond years beyond that. Because otherwise, what is the point? And this friend of mine, I was just listening to her story thinking she would have been better off in 10 years to go work for someone else who would have paid her you know, a fair market value salary as opposed to struggling and the stress and the worry for 10 years. So we just, we are not the victim of our businesses is I, I think that's the message here. 
Well, yeah. And also you have to have a real vision behind having your own business or being an entrepreneur. And there's got to be something that you're working towards that you see as worth your time and energy because it is a long game. It does take years before you have a business that can support you for most of us, support you and your family. And so like that, you have to be holding on and going towards that. And if you don't have that, For goodness sake, for many of us, the smarter financial decision is in fact to just have a job. And so I I think that that's, you know, that's something that entrepreneurs don't want to talk about very often, but you have to have that bigger vision and be working towards that profitability that you're talking about, Sandy, for that even to make sense to take on. I mean, we believe in entrepreneurship. I think it's like a religion to me at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe in it so wholeheartedly, but I also see that it's not for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that's just, you know, that's something to keep in mind that you have to be willing to take on risk and you have to be willing to work, I think, in many ways harder for yourself than for someone else in order for it to be worth it and to pay off. Yeah. So really, in the first couple of years, you are not concerned with profit. You probably most likely won't be profitable. I'd say zero to two, maybe three years. So in year one, or I think we've said often that you're you're doing great if you break even. That first year is really spent figuring out what it is you're going to offer. You're going to be testing product and service ideas, testing prices, really connected to your end client and knowing what they want from you. So really, it's like testing and learning and figuring it out. The goal in that first year is probably just to pay yourself and then anything left over is going to be reinvested in operating expenses or possibly marketing. And then once you kind of figure out what it is, like you found something that is the winner that people want and are willing to pay for you, then you start to grow, then you start to invest into marketing, and then you expand, and then you are looking at profit. So I wanted to first just talk about this word profit because we want to present a bit of an alternative way of thinking this. So historically, any accountant, anyone in business, and you've all probably heard this, that the profit is defined by gross revenue. So all of your sales minus your expenses, what's left over is your profit, right? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And I think that is this passive way of looking at it. So I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to pay everyone else first. And then hopefully at the end of the day, I'm going to have some money that I can call profit. And I think that's a little bit problematic. And there was a really influential book by Michael Michalowicz called Profit First. And we saw this book, I don't know, was it two, three years ago? It really exploded in the online world and in offline as well. It really shook up the way that entrepreneurs can think about profit. And so what Michael Michalowicz defines it as is he says you can take your gross revenue, so all of your sales, decide before what you want in profit, take that out of your sales and what's left over is what you can pay your expenses for. So this is the way that you decide how much money you want to make. And then what's left over is how much room you, you know, that dictates what your expenses are. So you're deciding ahead of time what kind of profit you're going to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a really radical way of thinking about this because it, 
when you're paying yourself, even if it's something small at first, but it's a percentage and you know it's predictable, when you're paying yourself that amount of money, you're not then beholden to all of these kind of, I don't know, shiny objects that we tend to invest in in business early on. You really, you're so much more clear about making sure that you're investing in tools and resources and coaching and programs that fit in around the underlying goal of your business, which is to pay you a paycheck. And I, I think that that's super liberating because you're it's not like, oh, should I invest in this program or pay myself? Like you're paying yourself. And then investing in the program is, it's like an, a bonus. You know, I think that, that to me, like that shift made such a big difference in my mind. And it also, Sandy, what I think is so interesting is when we started adopting this profit first mentality, and we can get into the book more, but it's a lot more complicated and we don't follow all of the intricacies of Michael McAllowitz's recommendations, but the overall principle we follow. But once we started following that, it turned out that we had not only so much more money to pay ourselves, but we also somehow had all this additional money than to reinvest in our business and these other things. Like it's so interesting how that Mm -hmm. goes together. And I think that that is why the intentionality matters so much because it's, I think that you behave differently subconsciously and consciously when you know that you're going to make money from your business no matter what. Even if it's small at first, but it's a reliable percentage that you're going to make, it just totally changes your relationship to your business. Yeah, I have an aunt that she used to have a business when I was a child and she would always, I would help her with inventory and stuff. And it was a brick and mortar business, of course. And she would always say like, the most important thing is to pay yourself, pay yourself, pay yourself. And then when I started my business, every time I saw her, that would be her first question is like, did you pay yourself? Are you paying yourself? Because typically brand new business owners will have whatever sales they have you know, come in and then they'll pay all their expenses and they pay themselves what is left over. Right. And they just hope that there's something left over. And I think that's a hundred, that's backwards. Like we want to like, how much do you want to pay yourself? And then what's left over is what you are going to make your expenses fit in. And there's this like law of empty shelves. Like if there's money there, you will spend it on things. Right. So pay yourself (laughs) first. That is so right. And then it's like this magical law of the universe that if you have an empty shelf in your home, it will eventually get filled up with stuff because it's there and it's empty. So it's the same kind of principle with money in the bank. You're going to find things to spend it on unless you firmly decide, I'm going to pay myself first. This is how much I'm making. No, it's so true, Sandy. And I'm I'm just even thinking about for Woodland Alchemy, our farmer's market-based business that we have in my family and online sales as well. So the first year, we invested a very small amount of money into the company, like, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. I don't know. We talked about it on a podcast. I think I don't remember what it is. But it was like small, that low, under 10,000 for sure, maybe under 5,000. And then you know, we did, I think, pretty well, I would say for a brand new business. And we invested almost like after paying ourselves back our initial investment, we reinvested like tens of thousands of dollars back into the company in year one in terms of buying, because we had to buy raw materials and jars and lids and candle wicks and, you know, like labels and signs and all this stuff. And so then this year, what I did with this profit first theory in mind, I went into our spreadsheet for the year and knowing we have peaks in our seasonality of our business, like almost every business, like our summer is really big. And then leading up to the holidays, like right now is really big. I just wrote out 
how much we were going to pay ourselves each month out of that company. In some months, we don't pay ourselves anything. And in the summer and in the fall, we pay ourselves a significant, to me, like extra little bump out of that company. And it's worked. Like with one year of data in the first year, again, was heavily reinvesting, basically we made a small investment, paid ourselves back from that investment, and then reinvested all of the rest of the revenue into the raw materials for the company moving forward. This second year in business, like I was able to sit down in January, put those numbers month to month in a spreadsheet, what we were going to pay ourselves. And I just did it. And I didn't go ahead and buy another still or, you know, buy 500,000 extra dollars. They're on sale. Because, it's a good deal. Because they're on sale or mm-hmm. there's like a 15% off coupon on labels this month or whatever. Yeah. I, I made sure that I took the money out and paid ourselves out of that business each of the months based on what I had projected on our profit from the year before. And it worked. Yeah. I mean, it worked to a T. Like, and it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's a particularly smart move when you do have actual costs of goods like that, because it's so tempting. I have a a girlfriend who makes jewelry and so she's always buying beads. And I wonder, I always wonder like, wait a sec, are you watching like you could spend all your profits on new beads oh, yeah. and beautiful gemstones. So like easy. It's so tempting, right? But you got to pay <laughs> yeah. yourself first. Yeah. And then you're going to be so much smarter with that money, how you spend it. And so I just want to clarify a couple things. So, you know, this profit first really did shift the way that we look at the business and how we pay ourselves. And in that beginning, as we've just said, like zero to three years, you're probably not going to see profit or not much. And so we really like to take this principle of Michael McAllowitz and apply it to how much you pay yourself, which we've just sort of shared here. So instead, it's like gross revenue minus your salary equals your expenses. So maybe in those first couple years, you're not worrying about what my profit's going to be. You're just worrying about paying yourself. So take your revenue and then decide what you want to take out each month or each year. And then what's left over, you make your business fit into that. And eventually, as you increase, you are going to have more money at the end of the month after you pay all your expenses. You've got this, you know, you've paid yourself, you've paid your expenses, and you have this little extra bit of money. And that is where you can pull that out in profit or decide to put it back into marketing or decide to put it into cost of goods or however your business works. But I really want people to think about it this way is like, these are my sales. How much do I want? And you can choose a set amount like a flat fee, or you can do a percentage of your sales if it's unpredictable. And I would probably suggest a percentage in the beginning, like maybe you take 50% or 40% of your salary, the rest goes to expenses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just in my example for our Woodland Alchemy company, I looked at what our revenue numbers were the year before. So our first year of business, and then I took a percentage and then I timesed it by what those revenue numbers were for year one. And I added 10 or 15%. I can't remember what I did because I assumed we would grow in year two. So I did, in fact, have a dollar amount mm-hmm. in my spreadsheet for how much we were going to withdraw each month of the business. And I followed it, like I said, to a T. And it doesn't mean that my number of projections were exact in terms of what our revenue was in July of 2020 compared to July of 2019, but it was close enough that taking out that amount of money made sense. And so I think like to me this is so exciting for those of you who have a new business because once you have one year in business or so, like maybe two years, you then really can like plan financially year 3 of my business. I'm planning to pay myself X dollars in, you know, July of 2021 and it's you know, it's not exactly the same as having a paycheck and a job and an external person paying you, but it almost Mm -hmm. is. I mean, nothing is guaranteed in life, right? Like to me, what I pay myself out of my businesses is just as reliable as what I would take in a salary from an external employer. (laughs) 
This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. Jenny, I want to share how we did our salaries for Namastream because in the beginning, like we did zero and it was always, or, or then we started paying ourselves like really, 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 really low amount every month. And this, the feeling of that was kind of a little bit of resentment towards the company. Like I'm working so hard and I'm not getting paid and this isn't fair. And then I, it was all you and you were like, Sandy, we're going to pay ourselves this amount. I'm like, oh, are you sure? And we did. And magically, we made the numbers to be able to afford our salaries. And then you said, okay, Sandy, we're going to increase our salary every single month for the next for every month of this year. This was earlier in this year, 2019. I was like, oh, I don't know, Jenny, I don't know if we can do this. (laughs) And every single month, we made those numbers. And there is something about so we have our spreadsheet as we talked about the last episode, and we write down what our I write down in the salary, what we plan to pay ourselves every single month. And magically, we make those numbers. And it's like, this is the intentionality and having some control over what you're doing. When you focus on it, when you see it visually on a spreadsheet, and you've got to like hustle down and just figure it out. Yeah. And you're like, I'm paying myself this much money. That's and right. I have all these expenses. <laughs> I have to find this revenue. I have to make this work. And it happens. Well, yeah. And so part of that, I did that strategically. And I've never heard of anyone doing it before. But this is where, you know, like one out of every 100 ideas is really brilliant. And like the other 99 are terrible. <laughs> so hopefully this is one of the ones that goes down in the brilliant category. But there's this idea because if I told you in January what I think we should be making in December, like, oh, we're going to be making this in December, you would have like been like, absolutely not, Jenny. But if Mm -hmm. I just stair step it up every month, then somehow magically we reach the goal, whereas the goal would have seemed ludicrous in January because it's 12 months of a pay increase every month, (laughs) significant pay increase every month for a year, right? Like, so that's a kind of crazy thing. And there's two of us. So it's like double, (laughs) double duty, giant growth every month. But that's what to me, I felt like, you know what, we're going to catch up. 2019 is the year of catching up for the last few years where we, you know, as founders, and this is, I think, true for any founder, right? Your business is like a baby to you in a lot of ways. And, you know, like our own salaries are the first thing to get cut if we needed to reinvest in something or make a quick decision to hire someone or to get a project done or whatever. It's like, it's okay. We're just the founders. You know, we'll pay ourselves what's left over. And we decided very intentionally in 2019, like absolutely not. We're done with that. We're the founders. We've grown this thing to where it is right now with our blood, sweat, and tears (laughs) and our hearts. And it's about darn time that we treated ourselves the way we should have treated ourselves three years ago if we had taken venture capital. <laughs> and Otherwise, that was like, <laughs> like, I'm like I want to, yeah, I want to pay myself the salary I would have taken if we had taken VC. I would, we would have made if I, we had taken mm-hmm. VC and now we're there and I'm like, oh, and we didn't have to take VC. You know, maybe it was worth those three years, like yeah. of not making that much money for those three years so that we could make it and own our company. And all of the founders, they sit on the risk, right? Like they've got the yeah. risk. 
Like yeah, an employee right. can come and go and get another job, but the founders have put the money into it and put the, all the energy in the, oh, into yeah. it. So they should get paid. So yeah, I think it's a really good shift of thinking. And I wanted to share, so we're going to make the, not a surprise, the hustle this week is going to be the book, Profit First. But I just want to share, and there's lots of steps to this method and it's really convoluted and it's a lot of bank accounts. And as Jenny said, we don't do it all. But I think the percentages are really interesting. So he shares, if you have a business from zero to 250K of the revenue that you take, he says that 5% of that should go to profit, 50% should go to your salary, 15% to tax. And I would just double check that with what you're with your accountant and where you live and then 30% to operating operating expenses. And so I think and then as you go like over 250 then your owner's compensation would go down to 35 but your profit increases to 10. So you're kind of, you know, shifting salary mm-hmm. to profit. But I think it's a really good guide. So we actually as we said in the last episode track this and we keep the percentages of our expenses to our revenue of our salaries to our revenue so we can make sure that those stay into check. And so I think this is a really, really interesting thing to look at in your business, regardless of where you're at. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I I would say the most important thing is to start when you're first starting, you know, this is where we break from profit first because we say the goal is to break even year one. I think once you have broken even and you've paid whatever your initial investment was and, you know, whatever your very, very baseline costs are for running your business, you need to pay yourself something. I think for Anomastream, the very first year, I paid myself something like five or $7,000 the first year. Like, and we had only started the business in the summer. So it was just part of a year. And to me, like the fact that I could make anything from this thing I had just basically made out of, pulled out of nowhere, you know, I worked really hard, but you know, the fact that I made any money from that was like astonishing to me. And so like, I think it's really important to pay yourself something because even in year one, because you that's what gives you the momentum to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not maybe on, you know, it's like the snowball effect. I don't know for those of you who follow financial blogs and financial books, there's this idea like if you really are just like a robot and you're looking at what makes sense, like paying off debt, for example, it's better to pay off the highest interest debt first and then go from there, like in terms of credit cards or student loans or whatever, like go down the ladder from there. Like if you were just a robot without any other things going on, like that would make the most sense financially. But because we're human, there's this idea of a snowball effect where you should pay off the smallest debt first and then take the money that you were paying towards that and pay towards the next smallest and the next smallest so that it's not necessarily the highest interest rates, but you're paying off like loan after loan after loan as fast as you can because that gives you the psychological momentum to keep going. So I think that applies also to business. Like you have to give yourself something. Otherwise you're going to, you know, all of those long days and sleepless nights, like those are going to add up and you're going to give up if you don't have something, you know, kind of like a trail of breadcrumbs, like leading you to what's possible. Yeah, I agree. So this 50%, I mean, that might not work, right? Like maybe it's 10%, as long as it is something just to to reward your efforts. And maybe you choose to put 90% back into paid ads or, you know, 80% into a software system or a coaching program or something like that. That is totally your choice. Or maybe you are 
you know, you've got a partner that you don't actually need your revenue. But even still, I would still say pay yourself, even if it's a couple yes, hundred dollars even a still. month. Yeah. So yeah, I it's, think that's important. But you get to choose. Like you can just, you know, I would just be aware of those percentages and just watch those and then increase it as, as you can. And don't get into the trap of revenue minus expenses is, oh, this is all I get this month. Because that's a really depressing, resentful place to operate a business from. Yeah. And that's where like almost everyone is for years and mm-hmm. years. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like the default is to not really know what you should do and for it to be haphazard. Like that's the default, I think, in entrepreneurship, because most of us don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. We don't we weren't exposed to this in any way. Even if you go to business school, this isn't the kind of stuff you learn in business school, like actually running your own business. Right. Like you learn how to go be like an analyst for a big consulting firm. Like you don't know how to do this. And so it's OK. Start with where you are. But know that there's a real benefit to paying yourself. And there's a real benefit, like as we've said throughout the series, in developing financial intelligence and understanding your numbers and understanding how you can manipulate those numbers and affect those numbers as an agent in your business and in your life moving forward. So let's do join hustle and I'll do hustle first and then I'll let you talk about the joy. So hustle is the book profit first by Michael McAllowitz. Really, really highly recommend it. It can be a little bit overwhelming. You can take parts of it and use it. I actually don't know anyone who does the system a hundred percent, but I know lots of people who have taken the concept and adapted it. And so I think it's worth a read. It really kind of shakes you up about why are you doing this and where you want to go with it. So yeah, Michael McAllowitz, Profit First. Yes, I second that. I see it sitting across from me on my ledge, in my windowsill, and I should have grabbed it and put it on my desk. But we both have a copy of this book, and mine is ultra highlighted and underlined and dog-eared yes, and tagged. Me too. And it's great. Okay, and so the joy is something so, so different from this episode, which is refreshing and lovely because we're all complex beings with multi varied interests. But the joy for today is just the work of an artist. And her name is Hilma F. Clint. If you don't know about her, an artist friend was sharing about her with me a few weeks ago, and I ended up checking out this book from the public library, this beautiful coffee table book about this woman's art. This is a woman who was European and lived you know, and worked about 100 plus years ago as a painter. And she was really ahead of her time in terms of the kind of really big abstract art she was creating and a few really interesting things about her. We'll post a link to a video. There was just a great exhibit, I think last year at the Guggenheim of her, some of her work. But what was really interesting was that she she felt like the world wasn't ready for her art. I think as a woman and as a spiritualist, as a painter, she felt like she wouldn't be understood. And so when she bequeathed her her paintings, she ensured that they wouldn't be shown for at least 20 years after her death. And like it's just her work is phenomenal. It's beautiful, it's bright, it's colorful. And she was, you know, basically this feminist doing the spiritual work through her painting. And I think she was painting these images for the future. And I also want to point out that it's abstract. It's abstract art. And nobody, in if you look back at the history of abstract art, there's a couple male artists who get all the credit for, for starting this sort of movement. But she was doing this before them, and nobody knows who she is. So to see this abstract work, it would have been completely 
out of this world yeah. back then when she was doing it. Yeah. And so, but also for those of you who are spiritual and, you know, do all this, the study and reading, it's so fascinating to see some of the sacred geometry that shows up in her work and the spirals. And it's just, it's otherworldly. It is. Well, and she was channeling spirits, right? So she, in a group of women, she would meet and do seances and then she would take whatever information she received during those experiences and then go and paint. And I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of paintings. Like it's, she's prolific. And it's just, if you haven't seen her work, it's jaw dropping and amazing. And I'm just so glad that I found out about her. And she also had this vision that her work would be, she like drew the building mm. that she thought her artwork should be displayed in this like spiral futuristic building. It is in fact with the Guggenheim building in New York City looks like. And so the idea that the, her work was eventually exhibited at the Guggenheim in this building that essentially matches the drawing she had sketched, you know, 100 plus years ago is just, what? Like, is this really happening? <laughs> so the coffee table book is lovely. You can look her up. We'll link to her some, I think her family or her foundation has an Instagram account that you are following, Sandy. We'll link to that. Yeah, it's Hilma. Yeah. Hilma F. Clint official. Yeah. And then we'll also link to this exhibit video that's free online from the Guggenheim. And I just encourage you to check her out. Awesome. Thanks, Jenny. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.